0: Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow, and we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This week, we have a little bit of a different type of episode, which uh, I think you'll find interesting. Sarah's not here, but I'm going to welcome to the show our producer, John.
1: Hello, everybody. Thank you, Paul.
0: So John had a question for me and I thought it would be an interesting conversation if we recorded this. It is the middle of March, 2023, and there is a lot going on in the markets and the economy. And there's a lot of implications for real estate and real estate agents. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think you'll find it interesting. John, what is it that you wanted to ask me? What what did you want to chat about?
1: So there's this, uh, this thing going on with SVB Mm -hmm. and, uh, San Fernando or, uh, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley bank. And I'm only 30 years old. I know something like this may have happened in the past, but maybe you can walk me through what I want to know, what, what I might need to know and what the implications are.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Silicon Valley bank failed, which is a really crazy thing to have happened. Second largest bank failure in U.S. history. So this is this is no small potatoes here. And uh, everyone's wondering what's going to happen to to the market, to the economy. But let me let me take you back. So you're a little younger than I am. I lived through 2008. I bet a lot of lot of our some of our listeners lived through the 2008. I don't know, almost depression, near depression, major recession. And uh, so I've got to take you back to what happened then. To then let you know how that affected us today, which is crazy because that was a long time ago,
1: right? Well, they say history repeats itself. So let's start from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's what happened. If, if I take you back a little ways, lots of bank failures. The economy was just in the, in the dreads. I won't repeat what happened in 2008, but I want to tell you what happened, what the government did to help out the economy because that, that's what led us to where we are today. Essentially, the Fed, to stimulate the economy from the major recession we were having in 2008 lowered rates because that's supposed to stimulate the economy. It's supposed to stimulate borrowing. So they lowered rates, lowered rates, lowered rates down to when essentially zero or near zero made borrowing much less expensive. They called it, they called it free money almost. Right? So if money is virtually free, I mean, it's not really free, but it's almost free to borrow it. Okay. What happens? Everybody, Takes out a loan because why not? Certainly, consumers did, right? Because look at the housing market, right? Everyone took out loans at two, three, whatever percent, and we went and bought homes because money was so cheap. And Mm -hmm. so our mortgages were cheap, right? But what also happened was other companies, other businesses could also get those really cheap loans. And so they started speculating because why not? You get this free leverage, these, these really inexpensive loans. So, what does that mean? The venture capital world took out those loans and started putting money into into venture capital deals. Investors, private equity funds, hedge funds use that really cheap money to buy stock market purchases, uh, to buy stocks, essentially. And what happens when everybody is using that quote unquote free money to buy, the prices on everything go up. Everyone's bidding, bidding, bidding. That's what happened to home prices, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody was in the market. And that also led to iBuyers. I was just listening to to an interview today by the chairman of Redfin. And he essentially said during that heyday, because the price of capital was so cheap, they could afford to use that leverage, use those loans to buy houses and then flip them for a very thin margin because the money didn't cost them barely anything. Now, all that being said, and this is really what's historically interesting or unusual is the Fed kept those interest rates low for an incredibly long period of time. That was supposed to be a temporary solution. We'll keep interest rates low to stimulate the economy, and then we'll ratchet them back
1: up. So money's not free. So put that in perspective. What's the short amount of time and how long was it it's actually to, active for? supposed to
0: last for three or four years but but the market started to get used to this quote unquote cheap money. It became kind of like a sugar high or crack. Mm. Like the, the market became addicted to it. It's starting to sound familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was like children on a sugar high and they wanted more and more cheap and free money. So it should have lasted whatever number of years. And then they should have started ratcheting it up. But what really happened was it lasted till from 2008 to 2022. That's My math is right 14 years of cheap money. That is a really long time. Normally, the Fed would not do that because they would be afraid of inflation, runaway inflation. You give too many people cheap money, they go out and spend. What happens when they go out and spend? Prices go up, inflation happens. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. So they just kind of assumed year after year after year hey, look, money, you know, we're keeping the rates really low, but inflation's not happening. So that means things are different this time, and it's fine. Can you speculate as to why? I don't. I, I think nobody really knows exactly why inflation didn't really, because it kind of should have. Like in, from economics, it kind of should have. Right. It didn't happen. Smarter people and I probably have a thesis for why it didn't happen, but it didn't. And so, so that's, that's what happened. Until 2022. And then if this axiom is correct, the chickens came home to roost. Does that sound right? Is that a a thing? Never heard that one before. Anyways, I I just made it up. The chickens came home to roost. Oh. You probably don't know what that means. Neither do I. But the point (laughs) is, finally in 2022, bam, inflation. 14 years, nothing. Uh 2022, inflation. People speculate maybe it was the government stimulus. Maybe it was during COVID, uh, the uh, supply chain issues. Anyways, it happened. Inflation happened. So now the Fed's like, okay, all right. So this is happening. We're not. That's not a good thing. Runaway inflation. I won't explain it to you, but it's not a good thing for a lot of reasons. Now we have no choice but to start raising interest rates, and they do, and they do quickly. They don't want. They don't want to let this thing get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So in twenty twenty two, halfway through the year, you guys probably remember this. They start raising rates and raising rates quickly. So what happens, right? When you start raising rates, the sugar high is over. You got no more crack. So everybody stops borrowing money to speculate on this and to speculate on stocks. Stock market goes down. Mortgages are more expensive. Everybody, you know, it's listening, knows that. Know, the the uh, the housing market kind of freezes, prices start flattening or dropping. Right? We talked about iBuyers; mm. they, for the most part, exit the market. I mean, there's maybe still a few left, but Redfin got out, Zillow kind of got out. A few of them went under because money is expensive now. It's not free. It's not virtually free. It's expensive. It's a riskier move for them now. They can't make they you know they flip these houses. And now the cost of capital is too high. Now they're not making any money. So now interest rates are up wildly. And that's where we're at today. Finally brings me back, sorry for the rant, but in the history lesson, but that finally brings me back to where, to your question, which is SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, essentially went under. There's another bank, Signature Bank, I think it was called, that went under. Mm. And then there's risks of other banks going under. That was, people are speculating as to the several reasons, but for the most part, the consensus seems to be interest rates. It was interest rates that caused this, Mm. this low interest rate environment we had for a long time. And this very quick six month, nine month spike in interest rates that the Fed has put into effect caused this. And the really quick lesson or reason that that caused Silicon Valley bank to collapse is they over the last X number of years, part of their portfolio of capital that they maintained were these bonds, government bonds, really safe long-term government bonds. Mm -hmm. But the interest rates on those were so low because interest rates were low for forever.
1: Right. So they had all
0: these bonds. And the problem is once interest rates go up and people can buy these current bonds that have this 5% return, their bonds that they're holding that have like a 1% return. Nobody wants those anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why would you buy something with that crappy return when you keep, right? Fundamentally that makes those bonds like just literally worth less. Oh. Just right. Simple, simple math. Right. Okay. So they're like, you know what? We need to sell some of these bonds. We need to create some liquidity because the, the market's a little weird and for several reasons. So all of a sudden they're like, you know what? We got to sell these bonds. We got to sell these bonds to get ourselves in a cash position to make ourselves more liquid. So we have more money
1: as needed for our operations and for our, if people want to withdraw it. And they did. Now, can you give me a play by play? You got a time frame, a timeline. When, when were these bonds initially internally, they decided, all right, you know what? We need some cash. Let's, let's sell these. bonds. I think it was like March 10th or 12, this happened
0: in like a matter of two or three days. They sold the bonds like the play by play is they sold the bonds and they lo- in that transaction, they lost two, about $2 billion. As soon as the market and other media and prognosticators saw that they lost $2 billion, there's a media frenzy that was like, that sounds bad. Are they in trouble? Mm-hmm. As soon as that happened, the next, maybe the next day, People that had money with the bank, uh, meaning deposits on, at Silicon Valley Bank are like, uh, uh, what, what's happening? Is this a sign that this bank's in trouble? You know what? Just in case, let me take out my money from this bank that seems like it's having issues and transfer it somewhere else. Right. So then, you know what? what's coming next? Everybody else is like, huh? I'm reading in the news that people are starting to take money out of Silicon Valley bank. I have money with Silicon Valley bank. I, you can kind of see the psychology at that point. It's over, right? It's over. That that's a bank run because once everybody wants their money back at once Silicon Valley bank's like, uh, I don't have this much money laying around in my vault in cash. I have assets. I have loans outstanding. I can't handle this. So that was the next day. And literally the day after that, The FDIC stepped in and took over that bank. That was Friday, the week before last, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And they stepped in and took over that bank and said, okay, you're no longer your own bank. Now you belong to us and we're going to figure this out. And then it was that weekend that everybody was sweating it out. The depositors going, okay, I had more money than is FDIC insured. Am I actually going to see my cash ever again? And over the weekend, maybe you maybe this is where the part that you heard over the weekend, the FDIC said, yes, every depositor at SVB is gonna get their money back. We're mm-hmm. gonna
1: mm-hmm. make sure of that. Whoa. That's the saga. Okay. So SVB says we need some liquidity. Let's sell these bonds. Yeah. Everyone sees that and freaks out. Yep. The stock drops. Yes. And same day, if not next day, as many people, pretty much everyone says, we need our money somewhere safe. It's better off under my mattress. Let me pull it out.
0: Exactly. And that's a bank run.
1: And, and then the government says, all right, well, this is going to ruin lives. We should do something about it. What's the implication there? What does that, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, here's the problem is, yeah, it's going to ruin lives. It's going to ruin a lot of businesses have their deposits at SVB. They're not going to be able to make payroll. Their money's frozen. I'd be sweating it out if they told me my bank account is frozen, right? So, but they also worried, are worried that the feds are also worried about systemic risk, meaning if there's a run on Silicon Valley bank, then everyone's going to freak out and say, well, what about my bank? You know what? My bank might be next. And so people that bank with maybe smaller banks or banks, banks that, also might have a lot of money in those old bonds like SVB did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I better get my money out of there too. And it'll cause more runs on banks. And that's what they really want to stop is that psychology of I'm worried. Mass hysteria. Hysteria. Bad. Okay. Noted. Right. So they did. And they seem to have stemmed it for now. And so let's come back to today and and talk about what that means going forward. I don't have a crystal ball. I feel like I always ask our guests like what's going to happen in the next year. I don't have a crystal ball either, but here's what, here's what's being talked about with the SVB failure. It was clear this entire year that the fed was going to keep raising rates to stem inflation because inflation just seems to be um, sticky. It doesn't seem to be going away. As quickly as they want. So they were going to continue raising rates through the year, which we know, of course, is challenging for the real estate market and real estate prices Mm -hmm. because interest rates mean a higher mortgage, clearly. So the speculation now is will the Fed continue raising rates? One of two things can happen. Will the Fed continue raising rates this year because they're more worried about inflation or will they? Will they stop raising rates? Will they ease off these rate increases? Because the more they raise rates, the more risk there is in the banking sector, right? Like for things like the SVB failure to happen again. So which one are they more worried about? Inflation or quote unquote, more bank failures?
1: Can't answer that question. No, I, I don't think anybody can. What's the crystal ball say?
0: Look, my guess <laughs> is they can't, my guess is somewhere in the middle, right? Laws being equal, that's that's the answer is like right in the middle, uh, you know, the king.
1: I mean, they have already in the past few months been easing on the interest rates. Is it, that correct?
0: Well, ish. What I think will happen is maybe they'll continue raising it. My prognostication is they'll continue raising it, but much more slowly. Mm-hmm because the way they've been doing rate increases is unprecedented. Yeah. Boom boom boom. Now might maybe like that's just a guess. But bringing it back to real estate and what's going to happen for us and the realtors out there, I think I think people would agree there's no question that 2023 is a transition year. This is like 2009 maybe. It you know 2008 happened and 2009 was like well what what how is that going to affect this well this is 2023 the adjustment period it's an adjustment period uh-huh. so I wish I could end this episode with and this is what's that means for us now or for our listeners now but nobody knows clearly so what's the moral of the story what do agents need to know look is history going to repeat itself if it does then we have Foreclosures, we have short sales, uh, we have distress. If that's you know, if it if it was like last time around, usually history doesn't exactly repeat itself. It just creates echoes into the future. So this time Ooh. is going to be well, or whatever you want to call it. I like it. that.
1: I mean, is there a better? And there yeah, be echoes better. into the future. That's so, is it. That's echoes. Spiritual. I like echo, that. So, so
0: the answer is we don't. We don't know the exact implication, but, and this is what a lot of our guests say, and I think it's dead
1: on. Back to the basics.
0: Well, yeah, and if there's less transactions this year, when things, when this, right? We talked about how a bank run is all psychology. The real estate market is all psychology. Sure. When the the press says that, Nobody selling homes. Let's say that's the headline. When the market's frozen, guess what the average reader thinks? Well, if the market's frozen and then the time is not right for me to sell or not right for me to buy, whatever it is. So then they hold off. The good news, I think, is when they hold off from doing it this year, in theory, that's just a more robust opportunity next year. Right.
1: Right? That That makes sense. sense. Just buckle down.
0: Buckle down now, and then next year we'll be better, and, and we'll, we'll push off our home sale until the press says it's time to.
1: <laughs> so, I got, so I got two core values from, uh, from this conversation. Mm. One, kind of more relevant to the bank itself, uh, mm. you got to follow the money, right? <laughs> you got you to gotta <laughs> keep a close eye on where the money's going, and that'll tell you the whole story. That's, that's what I'm learning here, right? definitely
0: follow the money, which is a fun drinking game that uh, you and I came up with a while ago. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but there's been banks that have failed in the last 2008. People did some pretty egregiously stupid stuff. <laughs> I mean, not maybe not criminal, but uh, just ridiculously crazy risks. Mm-hmm. I would have never thought that like SVB putting money into government treasuries or government bonds which are the safest right. type of investment. You could this is a black swan if I've ever seen one. Hmm. Meaning who envisioned this? Nobody was sort of talking about this until it happened. So I don't I don't want to say they did nothing wrong, but they didn't they were not this was not an egregiously greedy move on their part. Their risk management might have been a little bit out of whack but like hmm. nobody clearly saw this coming.
1: So if you're a listening and you're a bank <laughs> learning lesson, don't sell all your treasury bonds all at once. That is that
0: <sighs> that was a bad move. If space they space
1: them out oh a couple of week,
0: that's for sure. Yeah. I think they realized they should have acted quicker and then they just acted.
1: Right. Or just acknowledge the relatively smaller loss you might be taking by holding those bonds versus the implication of the business you have lost and are going to lose as a result of what just happened. Well, clearly, clearly,
0: management did not think that there'd be a shitstorm because if they, right, they figured we're going to sell some bonds, we're going to lose some money. And then uh, we'll put out a press release and that would be that.
1: I would love to know who thought of it and kind of what thought process went into it. How much approval there might have been? Or was oh. it just some intern that was like, hey, how about, uh, guys, we need some cash. We have these bonds laying around. No one's going to even notice. Look,
0: they just did not think that the press would make a big fuss and that, that everybody would see that and freak out. But I feel like with social media and the press and and the 24 hour the news cycle, mm-hmm. you better think about every like tweet you're going to write because people could, you know, it's, it's almost like people maybe for rightly or wrongly, I'm not sure history will tell us people canceled SVB, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did.
1: Exactly. They're like, I'm not waiting. I don't know if if this bank's going to make it or not, I'm out. And because it's so much easier now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. I understand there was a ton more money pulled out within 24 to 48 hours compared to back in the day.
0: You, you just, you get your news every two minutes when you check your phone. And so right.
1: news travels a lot faster. Yeah. And so do uh, transactions.
0: Look, it was the second biggest bank failure in us history. That's nothing to sort of, sneeze at. So anyways, that's a little history lesson. We're living through exceptionally unusual times. I don't know if that makes anybody feel any better with regard to what we're going through in the market. But as a business owner, I always say like, if you can make it through the tough times... In, in in a realtor's case, that's lack of transactions. You will be that much. What well, doesn't kill you, make you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. So you will be that much stronger coming out of this. And we had a great guest on Stephanie Vitaco, a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, she's operated through. Uh, go back and listen to that one, by the way, audience. If uh, listeners, if you haven't, she's operated through three different up and down cycles. She made it through. And she was robust. She found a way to make a living and do well in the ups and the downs. So you can, you can do it.
1: So what I'm getting from this is, uh, I'll sum it up into three things for agents. One, if you're an agent, just prepare to buckle up and hold tight Two, get back to the basics, keep doing what works, keep doing what everyone says you're supposed to do. Door knocking, cold calling. Get engaged in your community, that kind of thing. And three, maybe it sounds like um, making sure that you are up to speed and well versed on all sorts of creative forms of real estate. Maybe your typical residential transactions will go down, but there may be opportunities for more creative and innovative types of transactions. What would you say about that? Yeah,
0: yeah. Keep your eye on the ball. Uh, Stephanie told us she's getting few foreclosures here, a few short sales here. When traditional buyers bail out, maybe investors are going to come in. Stay tuned to the podcast because we're going to have, I'm sure, some amazing guests on that will talk to all of those uh, all of those things. Anyhow, let's wrap it up, John. Thank you for being with me. I'm not necessarily committing to uh, replacing Sarah with <laughs> with you but you were a wonderful co-host at least for this episode. So,
1: you know, we might bring you back. Thank you, Paul. Bye. Thank you, Paul. It's either on the front of the mic or behind the mic. I'll take it either way. There you go.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you found this uh, at uh, just a little bit educational and we'll be back next week with another wonderful guest and uh, the, our wonderful co-host, Sarah.
1: Be well. Be well. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.